0: Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi. Hello. Today we're going to be playing Combat Commander Europe, designed by Chad Jensen of Dominant Species, developed by Kai Jensen. The artist was Lee Bermacombe Wood, Chad Jensen. Roger B. McGowan. Leland Myrick of Labyrinth, The War on Terror. And Mark Simonich published in two thousand six by GMT Games. Oh that's what a GMT is. Yeah. <laughs> the description Combat Commander Europe is a card driven board game covered covering tactical infantry combat in the European theater of World War II. One player takes the role of Axis, Germany, while the other player commands the Allies, America or Russia. These two players will take turns playing one or more fate cards from their hands in order to activate their units on the map board for various military functions. The mechanics are Advantage Token, that's exciting, Campaign Battle Card Driven, Grid Movement, Hexagon Grid, Line of Sight, Simulation, and Variable Phase Order. And the box art is, uh, kind of looks like a cartoony World War II poster of a I'm going to say an American soldier uh, in the front with some, uh, a a Clemens Franz style guy at the front with some shadows in the back.
1: Uh, I was, that is definitely a, uh, an American soldier. And then the the silhouettes remind me of the poster from, um, saving private Ryan.
0: Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, and then it's a lot of, um, a lot of black, black on the bottom. Yeah. All right, uh, based on all this, would you pull it off a shelf?
1: Maybe. So I, like, on Twitter, I follow a lot of war game people because of work, and this is one of those games that pops up. And oddly, there's been some, like, in the last month or so, there's been some weird, like, people have built these mobile, like, super nice wooden, uh, like, traveling boxes for Combat Commander, where, you like, you could open them up and they have... Places to, for everybody to put their their things. There's enough room in the in the middle for a map and like drawers that pull out with like individual sorting bins for all the tokens and stuff. It's been wow. pretty like people really love it. It's, people like it's war impressive. games. Impressive, yeah. War gamers like so, war games. Uh, and oddly, I went back to listen to some of the other war games that we've played, uh, and this is one that we mentioned during our play of Undaunted Normandy. Oh, did we? Yep.
0: I would not pull it off a shelf. It looks like a war game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, box art's kind of not super interesting.
1: I'll say this is pretty on par with GMT
0: art. Yeah. Uh, I mean, description and mechanics are pretty dry. They didn't really sell me on an exciting like war story. So I guess we'll see. All right. Uh, Oh, man, I got to do all the sections on this one. Yep. (laughs) How do I think it's played? Well, it's a war game. Um, I mean, I guess if we mentioned it on Undaunted Normandy, and there are cards, so maybe it'll work kind of like that, where you, uh, I guess probably instead of rolling dice, we're going to be flipping cards to see uh, see, uh, who military and harder. Um, Okay, yeah. I mean, I imagine the grid grid movement the board's still gonna kind of work the same, so it's gonna be moving soldiers around uh it does say tactical, so maybe we're gonna be like zoomed in so it's gonna be like individual soldiers in the instead of like the last one we played where it was like uh well, battalions? We had like whole,
1: yeah, we had a i well i if you go a, with the last one that we played, it was like full on armies for the Russians, and I think it was divisions for the Germans, sure um.
0: Yeah, so I'm down I am think
1: to Normandy, though, was individual. Yeah, people. so I think
0: it's going to be individual. So we're going to be, uh, you know, moving uh, old uh, Jimmy from Jersey over on the battlefield. And then you'll draw a fake card and it'll be like, um, oh, no, you exploded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't know that I have much more to go on than
1: that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, so the the history then of uh, flipping a card and exploding.
0: Okay, folks, let's talk about General Douglas MacArthur. You might know him as the guy who said, I shall return during World War II and then actually did it. But do you know the full story of his triumphant return to the Philippines? Buckle up, because it's a wild ride. In 1940... 19- <laughs> <laughs> okay. In, in 19, like this is what ChatGPT gave me. In 1942, MacArthur was forced to flee the Philippines as the Japanese army swept in, but he didn't give up that easily. He promised the Filipino people that he would be back, and he meant it. So he spent the next few years fighting the Pacific Theater, preparing for his grand return. Finally, on October 20th, 1944, MacArthur led the invasion of the Philippine island of Leyte. 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 He yep. waded ashore on the beach with his troops, and the event was captured in an iconic photo. The man, the man looked like a total boss. <laughs> he <had it> on <laughs> his shades, his cap, and his pipe, all while wading through the water with guns blazing. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but wait, it gets better. After oh, making how? it to the how could possibly get better? <laughs> MacArthur gave a speech where he declared, "People of the Philippines, I have returned by the grace of Almighty God. Our forces stand again on Philippine soil." Talk about a grand entrance. This moment was a huge morale boost for the American and Filipino forces, and a big blow to the Japanese army. The Battle of Leyte was a turning point in the war, and MacArthur went on to lead the campaign to retake the Philippines, culminating in the Battle of Manila in 1945. After the war, MacArthur continued to make waves as Supreme Commander of Allied Forces in Japan. But let's be real, nothing quite tops his epic return to the Philippines. So, what made MacArthur such a controversial figure in Japan? Well, for starters, he was pretty determined to make Japan a model democracy. He oversaw the drafting of a new constitution that included democratic reforms like a Bill of rights and a parliamentary system. But not everyone was a fan of his approach. Some Japanese officials and Allied force members thought he was forcing American values on a foreign culture. Uh, We've to make never matters done that before. Yeah, that's so (laughs) un-American. To make matters worse, MacArthur was accused of being too easy on former Japanese leaders who were suspected of war crimes. Uh, But the biggest controversy came when he decided to keep Emperor Hirohito as a figurehead rather than putting him on trial for his role in World War II. The decision was made to help maintain stability in Japan, but it didn't sit well with everybody. During the Korean War, MacArthur decided to throw out the traditional playbook and try something unconventional. In 1950, North Korea had invaded South Korea, and MacArthur was tasked with leading the United Nations forces in the conflict. He was known for his strategic brilliance and uncompromising personality, but this time he was determined to do something different. Instead of fighting a traditional war, he had a bold plan to launch a surprise attack on the port city of Inchon.
1: Yep, Inchon.
0: Behind enemy lines. Now you might be thinking, that's crazy, but you wouldn't be alone. Many of his advisors thought the plan was too risky and would result in disaster but he was convinced it was the key to victory. On September 15, 1950, his forces launched a daring amphibious assault at Incheon, catching the North Koreans off guard. And guess what? The attack was a resounding success. It allowed UN forces to push back against the North Koreans and retake Seoul. MacArthur's unconventional leadership had paid off in a big way and became a hero to many Americans. But of course, with risks comes consequences. MacArthur's bold approach ultimately led to his downfall. He clashed with President Truman over his desire to expand the war into China and was ultimately relieved of his command in 1951. Despite this, MacArthur remains a fascinating figure in American history.
1: (laughs) I I mean, I I agree with some, like, there are a lot of facts in there. (laughs) I'm not sure if the conclusions are correct, but there's a lot of facts in there. I've also stood on the beach where he actually said, I will return. Oh, yeah? Yep. On the, uh, the island of Corregidor. Uh, okay, so there are a number of uh, scenarios set throughout the war. In this original version of the game, scenarios were typically between the United States and Germany, or Germany and the Soviets. Uh, we're going to play a training scenario that's based between the U.S. and Germany, and it's set in December 1944 in the Ardennes. Uh, so this is during the German offensive and what we call the Battle of the Bulge, at least in the U.S. Um, The first player is determined by the scenario, and in our case, it'll be the US. And play then goes back and forth until one of four game triggers ends the game. Players will have a hand of cards based on the scenario, and the hand size is going to be based on your role. So there's the defender, attacker, and recon role. Um, In our scenario, we're both uh, in a reconnaissance role, so we both get five cards. the cards also come from a specific deck. So like there's a, a US deck, a Soviet deck, a German deck, um, and there's actually tons of expansions, So there's a ton of decks for other countries as well. So the decks are tailored uh, to the country. So like the US has a lot more like shooting actions. Soviets have a lot more move actions. Um, the Germans have kind of a, like a good mix of everything. Um, so they can actually tailor the country uh, based on that. Um, the cards themselves are gonna have three sections. Uh, there's gonna be an order section, an action section, and an event section, and they all play a little bit differently. So orders are played by the, from the players on the play... Orders are played on the player's turn <laughs> from their hand. Uh, actions can be played at any time, as long as the prerequisite's been met. And events occur when certain roles are revealed from the top card of the player's deck and they're resolved before play continues. So there are no die rolls in this game. In the bottom right of every single card, there's gonna be two die images uh, that will basically be our die roll. So anytime we have to do a die roll, we're just gonna flip a card and that's gonna be our result. And then in the bottom left corner, there's gonna be a a random uh, hex location. So if we ever have to decide on a random hex, we'll just flip another card and that'll tell us what hex it's in. So on our turn, uh, you're just gonna play a number of cards from your hand. The number that you can play is based on the scenario. So for us in this scenario, it will be two. So you can play two orders from your hand, uh, but you can play as many actions as you have available that you can play. So the player announces the order and then discards that card. They then activate uh, a unit that hasn't been activated this turn in order to perform that order. And if you activate a leader, they can also activate any non leader-friendly units that were in their command radius, and they all do the same order. So you're going to uh, identify all the units that are gonna carry out that order, and then when the order is given, at least one unit must carry it out. So you can't just declare the order and then do nothing with it. So the types of orders that we have, we have advance, which will let you move a, a single hex, but you can't be shot at. You have melee, which we fight it out at the end. We have artillery denied so you can break your opponent's radio which you need in order to call in artillery Uh, you can do a artillery request so if you have a working radio uh, you can do a fire for effect mission Uh, if your radio is broken you can try and fix it there's also command confusion which are basically dud cards Um, you have fire which as long as there's a unit within range and line of sight you can shoot at them Uh, You can move, so every unit has their own movement points, and the terrain will dictate how many points you have to spend to move into it. You have recover, so any broken or suppressed units will be able to uh, basically recover those units. And then your opponent can play route and make your broken um, units retreat more. Uh, If there's no card that you want to play, you can discard any number of fake cards from your hand and then draw back up to your limit. The limits set by the nation, or the number of cards you can discard are set by your country. So Germany can uh, discard up to six and the U.S. can discard up to five. When the player's turns over, they're going to draw back up to their hand limit and then play will go to the other side. Play will immediately end if a player is forced to put an eliminated unit on the casualty track in a space occupied by the Surrender Marker, or if a player's last remaining unit on the map is eliminated. In either case, the player that didn't trigger an immediate end is the winner, regardless of victory points. Instead, if a player's last remaining unit voluntarily exits the map, or a sudden death roll is required and is less than the current position of the Time Marker, The player with the highest victory point total is the winner, and you're going to gain victory points uh, from eliminated enemy units, friendly units that exit the opponent's map edge, and control of map board objectives. And those are a good chunk of the rules. No,
0: no. Let's... I I was going to say I shall return, and then I thought let's war... We just finished a game of Combat Commander Europe. To recap, Kiwi had zero... Airborne? Who were you playing as?
1: I was was Americans. I don't think they were airborne. I think they were just like a regular...
0: Zero American points. (laughs) (laughs) Controlling one of the five objectives. Uh, And I had five Folsom Jager points. Uh, With three of five objectives and a uh, key road junction getting all of my VP. Because I got an extra um, hidden objective for it, I guess. Yeah. So my winning strategy was um, shooting you as you ran across fields.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It seemed to go well. Um, In retrospect... Maybe shouldn't have run across the field.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that was early in the game, and we didn't quite know how uh, how deadly it would be. But yeah. did you have a strategy?
1: Uh, well, I, I mean, clearly running across the field started it. Yeah. Um, no, like, once I figured out how deadly the opportunity fire was, I tried to figure out ways to, you know, with smoke or going up through the woods, you know, trying to get closer to you so that I could get some fire down on you. But I just my my roles didn't work out some of the times
0: uh what did you think of the theme did you feel like we were battling
1: over uh, a village in europe uh i i think i did i the the card play and stuff really kind of you know because i got started late or moving late and you were able to move in first and occupy positions yeah. I and mean, it was very difficult for me to like get anywhere to get a firebase down on you and uh, you know, I tried to do some flanking stuff. And so I, I felt felt thematically, uh, I did feel like we were trying to fight over it. And it did seem somewhat more realistic to, you know, what you might actually see. Definitely felt like a war game.
0: I don't know that anything jumped out as World War II because sure. of yeah. the kind of the small scale of it. I mean, other than, of course, then I guess getting into table presence, it was kind of the art and the names of the, the units and stuff that kind of gave it the World War II feel. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the table presence?
1: Uh, I mean, I think if I passed it on a, like, if somebody was playing it on a table, I'm not sure I would stop because it looks like any other. Yet another Texan war game war game. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd agree. It didn't have anything that jumped out. Um, I think it would be less eye catching than like a, um, a tabletop mini game. Yeah. Because that would have minis. That would probably be a little bit more eye grabbing this would be i guess something
1: like undaunted normandy like i felt like that was far more eye-catching yeah
0: yeah i'd agree with that too um yeah it kind of fell in the middle of it it's got tokens on a hex grid um with some cards
1: um
0: mechanics uh what did you think of it mechanically
1: so, I found like, I think we've talked about it in the past, but like multi use cards are super interesting. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this had a really good use for it. And I even, even though it was annoying to get kind of the dud cards with the, what was it combat confusion or whatever? Command confusion. Yeah. Like, even then, it's like, you know, having those in your hand made it a little frustrating. And I think it happened to both of us a couple of times where we're just like, aha. And now I played the, Oh no, I already played that card. Yeah. (laughs) We forgot we played the card. You know, it happened to both of us. So it was kind of like, Oh no, I wanted that card.
0: Yep. My, my issue with the multi-use cards on this one is that the actions were so essential that I didn't use a lot of the, or sorry, the orders were so essential that I didn't use a lot of the actions. Because it's like, well, this sounds really cool, but it's kind of situational and it's on a move card. So I got to play the move card. So I didn't get to use a lot of like the cool sounding actions. Like the, you know, you, if you play this one during a move action, then you can move and shoot or, uh, you know, some of those I thought, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Cause I was like, I want to use this card and this card when we're, uh, there was a point where we had some a thick smoke laid down in the center and we were trying to maneuver around each other. And I was like, I want to do this cool, like run to the building and shoot you on the way. But I was like, ah, no, I need to use this card for something else. That's more practical.
1: Yeah. And, and on, on my side of it, I felt like uh, it, you know, I I was willing to put them together. I was just never able to like get them at the same time to be able to use them together. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then it'd be like, well, I just got to use this for a normal fire action because I need to do that right now.
1: Yeah. But honestly, like I was okay with that because thematically, like, you know, because the first couple of turns of our game, like I just didn't get move cards and you did get move cards. Yeah. And while that might be annoying because I wasn't able to do anything, I didn't mind so much because, you know, having spent the last 17 years in the military, like it doesn't surprise me that (laughs) they wouldn't do anything for me. Yeah. And I was trying to look in the rule book because the rule book did say like, you know, essentially a turn is this length of time and a hex is this size. hmm So like, you know, it took us several hours to play this game, but it's simulating like, you know, we, we had like a ten minute firefight, basically, right. is what we had. Yep. Um, anything else on mechanics? Um No, I did I did appreciate the uh the other mechanic I f- found interesting was the uh Having the die rolls on the cards, and then having events pop up because there were a couple like the events really did affect what happened. Like you know, we got hit with snipers, and we got there were like different event. There was a forest fire like up in your your part. Um, yeah, we had we had the cool like smoke went away, and then we had a fight because my guys were like hiding in the open and smoke. There were two.
0: One, I wish the cards didn't have die, actual die. Just give me the... It's on a card. You can just do a number, the yeah. total, because then it's less math for me to have to do. I don't know that. I mean, I know they added some things with, like, well, if it's double digits and stuff, but you could also just have that on the card. Yeah. Um, and then there was just a lot of randomness, <laughs> like the snipers, and, like, it, a little bit of random makes it interesting, but I feel like with a tactical game like this, it got frustrating. Like, I think... Like my one machine gun just broke in the first round and then it just sort of
1: stayed broken. Stayed
0: broken. And it was kind of like, I wanted to be, like at least give me an action to be able to counter. Like it felt like too big of a setback for a random event. And I think there was one that happened to you too that I don't remember. Like some of the randomness, like with the smoke and the forest fire, that was entertaining. But um, some of the other things of just like, oh, I think you took a sniper. Oh, the sniper shot in the field and it just wiped out your whole group or something.
1: Uh, well, I think you had broken everybody except for one and then I had to pick and I wasn't going to pick a broken unit cause I would have killed them. So I picked the one non-broken unit and then they, I made them broken. Yeah. So I just had like a stack of like a bunch of dudes that were all broken. And now that I think about it, I think I had too many people in that hex.
0: Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. Some of the random events felt too random and too powerful for the randomness, but some of them were also entertaining.
1: Yeah. And honestly, like, I actually didn't mind it so much. I didn't, I I felt that it worked thematically, but. Uh, Yeah, but it's still a game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. Yeah, I I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm just saying that I didn't mind it. But
0: you could see how if you got really bad luck, like, you could just break all your weapons in the first round and it would not, and then you just get rolled and it's not a lot of fun. Like, it didn't really happen with us, but I could just see it happening of like, you know, oh, I've got a really bad streak of luck in the first round and then the rest of the game is just suffering rules uh learning the game was both easy and hard i guess it was enough of a standard war game that like grid movement i kind of figured oh there's going to be different action movement points for different terrains and different cover bonuses and different things like that the challenge came in those specific values like remembering house gives me plus three cover versus you know minus two hindrance and how that affects your numbers and a lot, of, a lot of just values to keep in mind, but in terms of the overall like gameplay, um, n- not too difficult, I didn't think. And I uh, feel
1: like we definitely did get better. We did the same thing that we always do for every complex game, where it's like, we I, I talk through the rules, you have maybe a enough of an understanding that you're able to start, and then as we yeah. do new things, we just work through that new thing, and then... know sometimes we'll reference stuff if we have to go back and do that new thing again but i think by the time we got towards the end we were doing things pretty automatically i felt like
0: yeah well in terms of learning it was easy on me i think the harder part was on you because you had to constantly look things up in the rule book compared to a normal game like most war games i think you spent a lot more time in the rule book than most other normal board games
1: Yeah, and this isn't even the most complex war game I've ever looked at the rules. Sure.
0: Yeah, this wasn't. This is kind of a middle-ish one, I would say. Yeah, I would Uh, agree. But yeah, it's they're going to involve rules because there's a lot of numbers.
1: Uh, I mean, the rule book is is good. I did appreciate that, like every time a rule referenced another rule, they would immediately put in parentheses Mm. or brackets like what number that rule was, so that you could then jump to that rule. That's really nice. Yeah. So yeah, and then the table of contents was really good because I used that a couple times. And then you know they they break it up by you know they give you kind of a general like rules, and then they go into you know here, here's how a turn is played out, and then it, after that it's literally just like okay here's every action, here's every event, here's every you know terrain, and it, it explains everything. So you know they've got they they've got rules for it all. So I I felt like it was uh, laid out. Sequentially enough that it was easy to follow, and then they made uh, it, it. It references itself very well. Player interaction,
0: y- yes. I mean, I mean yeah. it's a one-on-one war game, direct opposition. Um, guessing what the other person is going to do every every turn, every action the other person is interacting. Even on movement, right? The fact that you can take the opportunity to fire, like yep. you have to watch every single hex they're moving to and. You know, there were a lot of times I was like, oh, if he moves left, I can't shoot him. If he moves right, I get him. Which way is he yeah. going?
1: Oh, yes, he went right.
0: <laughs> um, and
1: like, I mean, I mean, that was... It doesn't go into interaction, but there was one where I was like, Oh crap, I'm gonna have to take my sergeant mm. and run him out to the squad and then that way they can get his extra movement so then I can jump over the fence and get back in the building. Yep. But you killed him well, before. That could was do that. interaction
0: though, because I did think I'm gonna hold a fire card so when his sergeant runs out there, <laughs> yep. I'm gonna yep. I'm gonna shoot that guy. <laughs> um but yeah, he, he went down before that mattered. But I did I mean, even that I was like, ah, okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean super interactive. Uh, uh, Would you play it again?
1: Yeah, I definitely would. I uh, actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I liked the card play aspect to it. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about the syllabus that I created at work before. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure I would swap this in for Memoir 44, which is, I think, the game that I would replace it with using card play to do commands and stuff like that. Uh, Just because Memoir 44 takes so much less time to play. Um, uh, but I would love to have this at work so that, you know, I could sit down with somebody at some point and be like, okay, I'm going to teach you this. Cause I need you to be, you know, slightly better at games than other people, because I need you to fill a role or something. Yeah. I feel like this could definitely fill that niche. Um, and I've actually seen, uh, like, um, Rodney Smith has been playing this, uh, remotely and asynchronously, uh, with one of like his people.
0: I'll say No. Um, the reason, so I think Undaunted is the better game, like just in terms of like a card mechanic, right? Um, they both had that sort of command confusion or like dud card that clogs up your hand. But in this game, it was just a random draw in Undaunted Normandy. It was, you know, an effect the other player, I think, you know, you had gotten hit or bunch and it sort of started clogging up your deck as you sort of, uh, negative impacts kind of stacked up that just feels like a better mechanic and then I think obviously as a card deck builder the card play just felt better Um, you didn't have as many random um, you know bad draws like you had at the beginning of the game sure Um, so like just and then of course like you said it's shorter to play it's kind of easier to pick up I think Um, it was a while since we played it Um, so it just that felt like the better kind of lighter game And then if you're going to play a more like heavier tactical game, I'd rather play like a Flames of War. Like, just give me the minis and let me, you know, go full war game. So this one kind of fit in the middle. And I don't know that I would really have a desire to play something that's in the middle. But I mean, overall, it wasn't too bad. I mean, I guess it wasn't bad. Um, Yeah. It just I just feel like I don't know when I would want to play it over the other either a heavier option or a lighter option.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And I just don't play that many war games, so I can see, like, in your case, that it would be nice to have a third sort of middle ground. Yeah. But, you know, I don't I don't really play too many, so. Uh, that was Combat Commander Europe. Are there other Combat Commanders not in Europe? Uh,
1: yes. Uh, yeah, so they have um, Mediterranean. So what I read was is that uh, instead of having all the European nations all in a single box, because it was a bit much, they actually separated the two. So Combat Commander Europe has the U.S., Russia, and Germany. And then uh, Combat Commander Mediterranean adds in a bunch of other European nations. Mm-hmm. And then there's Combat Commander Pacific as well, uh, which obviously adds in some of those, uh, you know, I think uh, China, more Russia, Japan, uh, the U.S., um, I think Australia's in there, too, and the UK. So, uh, yeah, there are uh, many others, and then there's, uh, like, whole map packs and scenario packs and all kinds of stuff. Um, So they've done uh, a ton. Uh, so if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at first And the podcasting camel says, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games.
0: is a forest on behind me on fire.
1: All my dudes are just standing in the middle of the field, the smoke's dissipated, and they're just like, oh, shit. (laughs) Okay, Uh, so neither one of us has ambush. That'd be a hell of an ambush. If you placed smoke,
0: ran out into it, it dissipated, and that was your plan all along. (laughs) You're just shooting wildly through the clouds as I walked around you into the
1: building. (laughs) Yeah, I, I heard you, so I just like shot wildly.